3: Mistress Carrie, weekdays 10 to 3 on WAAF. Podcasts are always online and on your schedule at WAAF.com. My 20th anniversary show, and I believe that is what we call a Lenny and Squeaky entrance, Mike Shue. Oh, hello.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's up?
3: What's going on? 20 years. 20 years today. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. It's nuts. It is. And, it's, and It
0: just doesn't seem that long.
3: People have been asking, like, well, what's the most memorable this, and what's the most memorable that? And first of all, I feel like half the stuff that's the most memorable I don't remember, for good reason.
0: Yeah, me too. I don't know why.
3: And then the stuff I do remember, there's so much amazing stuff that I've been going through all of my archives, just trying to sift through it all. And one of the craziest weekends, other than the phone booth trip that, <laughs> oh that, my God. that Mark <laughs> Raz brought up earlier when he called. Yeah,
0: that was... <laughs> That wasn't a weekend. That was a full week. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. a full
3: week. But one of the other the crazy weekend was, remember when the Damage Plan album came out and the band came up to Boston for the weekend? Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. That and we was, had like an yes. album release party, and then they came up and spent the night with you at Harder Faster, mm-hmm. and then they came up the next day on my show. Like, we couldn't get rid of them.
0: Oh, yeah. They were, they were just, they wanted to do it. They, they came up here- I did a special harder faster on a Saturday night because it was usually on Sundays. Yeah. And uh, but they when came they're up
3: available, here... that's when you do it.
0: Right. So so we moved everything to Saturday, and that they came up, and I don't know if I should be saying this on the air. They had a couple of bottles of Crown Royal. No! Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, there. Well, was... we
3: know they weren't drinking and driving because they pulled up uh, in. The tour bus. Yeah, the tour
0: bus was right out front. Yeah. Yeah, and then I believe after we did Harder Faster, uh, we all adjoined, uh, adjourned to the the model down here, down the yeah. street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, and hung out there for a little while. Yeah,
3: and then the next morning, yep. they came in with me, mm-hmm. and I found some of the audio because Vinnie Paul and Dime hosted a party for the Stanley Cup champion... Um,
0: the uh, Dallas Stars. The Dallas Stars.
3: Yeah, huge hockey fans. And there were, yeah. the, well, this is what happened. Do you guys fight at all, ever? Did they, they fight? Man, What's pe- it like being on tour with brothers?
4: People ask us this stuff all the time, man. And, you, know, you see Vinny's uh, black think, eye over there? <laughs> <laughs> I cool. think I think Vinny's got the best answer
5: for it, and it's the truth. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, we grew up with a love for music wanting to play music together. Uh, A lot of kids grow up, um, mom and dad are like, how come you can't be like Susie? She gets straight A's, or your brother does so good, why can't you? And they're in competition with each other, and we never had a competition. It was always a drive to play music, and... Uh, he's like my best friend, you know? I don't even really think about the fact he's my brother, you know? It's just like he's a friend, man. What about your pool? <laughs> the crown roll pool?
3: Now, one of the most famous things that you ever said on the air that got the most reaction from everybody was that you had the gall, the audacity to dent the Stanley Cup thank on the you side very much. of your swimming pool. The crown Royal.
5: pool. I didn't do it. Guy Carboneau did it. Number 41 lives on in infamy. <laughs>
3: And you said how many strippers were sitting on the on it? The, four. There
5: was plenty of them. Listen, let me tell you what happened. were the
3: Stanley Cup.
5: Yeah, they got on it naked, and we drank probably two <laughs> cases of Crown out of it, and uh, it got table dances. Everybody got table dances. Whole team got. <laughs> I mean, it was great. Right. <laughs> I don't
4: care if they're married. They all had a good time. You know. I mean, hell. That, <laughs> dude, that cup, man. Everybody thinks that cup is like it, it is sacred in its own right. But you know. If anybody it, only knew what really goes down with that rig, because oh yeah. cause when I walked in the club, we went down to the Big Apple, is a joint back at the house, and uh, I walked in, and they're all standing there going, come on. They're just, everybody's just dumping beer and shots, everything into this thing and just lipping it, blowing it up. And, it, dude, that thing takes some punishment, man. Just think of the years, years. of what's been done to it. And I if, t- t- if we, tell you we exactly win the Stanley little-
3: Cup, will you have the party for the Bruins? No,
5: I'm a Dallas Stars fan. I will be
3: okay. Uh, they can, just turn his mic off. <laughs> no,
4: go ahead. I'm only oh. you Got ripped off on that. One. I'm Anyways, only
5: what kidding. really happened, man, is it got all these dances and everything, drank out of it, and the sun was coming up. Is about five thirty in the morning. We're all down in the pool in the hot tub, and Gee Carbono comes out on the balcony and he goes, "Hey, Luds, catch!" <laughs> and he threw it and it went boink on the side of the pool oh. and then into the water, and then me, Darian Hatcher, and Luds jumping on it and sank it to the bottom. And the cup True. keepers over there pulling his hair out. And then the NHL tried to cover the whole thing up. Say like Eddie Belfort dropped it off to the airplane. I was like, give me a break. That's not what happened. They didn't want everybody to know what really went on. They tried to cover it up. Oh, your God, dude.
3: I love the fact that Dimebag Daryl calls the Stanley Cup that rig. Did you catch yeah, that? Yeah, that rig.
0: Yeah. That rig. <laughs> oh, those guys. That's like a normal weekend for those guys. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much.
3: <laughs> and, and then when you got, because at the time, Zach Wilde was in the heyday of his crazy partying years. So when you got Zach and Dime together. Oh, yeah. They were just this twisted set of twins mm. that was just out of control. This is what Dimebag was talking about when he was talking about Zach. I heard you talking to Mike Shue on Saturday night about some of the different cameo appearances that are on the CD, and you were talking a little bit about like Zach. And did you know that he got voted like the most influential guitar player of the year for
4: most valuable player?
3: Was that what it was?
4: Yeah. he's, he's my favorite. <laughs> you know,
3: <laughs> do you guys ever like want to do the celebrity death match between the two of you to see who could out shred each other? Have you tried to do that? Who's got faster fingers?
4: I, Zach's got faster fingers than mine. You know, that's just Z man. He is off the hook. He's my favorite guitar player. So uh, we don't got to go there, but uh, we we definitely got to jam together, man. We want to put something together somewhere in the future where uh, we just he collaborate was talking with about everybody. doing a
3: tour of just heavy metal guitar players, kind of like the G three. And when, when I asked him who he would want on the bill, he said Dimebag Daryl first. Oh, no. Because he came in the studio and was hanging out with us.
4: We're definitely we're strapped in already. We're trying to pull Edward out of retirement right now. <laughs> you know, get that thing <laughs> up. Do right you in. guys
3: have a game plan for this? Because I would love... We have a you guys are plan. Th- exactly. You guys exactly. are very intimidating people. And if you were to just like show up on Eddie Van Halen's front lawn...
4: And Zach did. Zach pulled up and he hit the bell and, and Ed goes... Uh, what's going on? He goes, Zach, bro, I, I'm out of beer. Me and Dom want to jam with you. We're coming in right now, bro. And uh, Ed said, no, nah, man, I can't do it right now. But he's coming out. dude. We're getting him. Are you sure? I don't know. If can you it, give me
3: a death? You're getting my hopes up, Don. M-
4: well, hey, man, if, if Ed don't come out, we can still do something heavy. You know, all of us are going to be involved, but... You know, let's, let's bring Kerry King into the picture. Let's bring George Lynch.
3: Can you imagine if those guys actually, like, showing up at Eddie Van Halen's house, like, come in, let us in? Yeah, I'd be
0: afraid to. That's
3: basically what they did yeah. to the studio when they showed up. Yeah. It, been... I,
0: you know, those guys showed up. It wouldn't be so much how they looked. It's about just the knowledge of how they drink. Yeah. You know, and their cast iron livers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's about that then. Zach doesn't drink anymore, but back then he was, you know, he showed up here a couple times. In One drag. time dressed as a woman. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And the finest Donna Karen he could find on the way up here.
3: Everybody was asking when I was asking, you know, hey, what, what are your memories or whatever? Everybody was like, you got to tell Dimebag Daryl stories. Because there were just so many of them. Remember when you and I, they invited us up on stage mm-hmm. at Loco Bazooka yeah. and that we sang Walk With Them? That
0: was amazing. I
3: was like, oh my God, please amazing. tell me somebody got pictures of this. And they did. Yeah. Which was awesome.
0: Yep. And then partying with them up in Lowell. Oh my after God. After one of the indoor beach parties.
3: Somebody tried to, somebody stiffed. I don't know who had volunteered to pay the bar tab. That was the night, I think, that Dimebag drew the black eye on me. Was that the night? Right,
0: because somebody took a Sharpie and drew Gene Simmons makeup on him. Yeah. In Sharpie.
3: So he wanted me... So he drew, like, a black eye on me. All right. And then somebody had volunteered to pay the bar tab, Mm -hmm. and then they skipped out on it, and Dimebag Daryl found out about it, and then he paid the tab for everybody. Yes. Yeah.
0: That's the kind of guy he was. Yeah. Absolutely.
3: And then, obviously you know losing him and the way that we did it it was devastating for every rock fan it was devastating for anybody that knew him yeah because he
0: was a sweet sweet guy Yeah, just the way i watched him interact with fans at that local bazooka they played at you know he was back he was in back of the stage it was open air and he's tuning up he's getting his gear together and stuff like that and and uh but he talked to everyone, every every band that was back there, people that made it back there somehow wanted to go up and shake his hand and say hi and say a few things. And he, you know he, who he, he met? talked to everybody. You
3: know who he met backstage at that show? Mm. I was telling Ian, I recorded a, a podcast with Ian Barrett from Real Rock TV, and we were talking about this story. My mom
0: oh my God. <laughs> was
3: backstage at Loco Bazooka, and <laughs> Dime found out and wanted to meet her. So I said the words out loud... Dimebag Daryl, this is my mom. Mom, this is Dimebag Daryl. And she said, hi, it's so nice to meet you. Uh, What should I call you? Daryl Mr. Bag? Mr. Bag. Which I almost (laughs) died laughing. And then he was like, Mistress Carrie's mama, you can call me whatever you like. And he gave her this big hug and like this big dime bag hairy kiss on the cheek yeah. and it was adorable
0: yeah he was a very sweet guy he was nice to everybody
3: and then shortly after um he passed away Zach Wilde came to town and I found some of that audio too
2: I'll never get over this I mean at the bottom line is this has really messed everybody's life up forever you know that's that's in contact with these families you know and it's all about dime. I, I was a Bear at the funeral me and Eddie Van Halen and everything I, I, I you know and trust me, laying your brother when I had to lay my mother to rest, and laying Dime to rest—I'll never get over either one of them, ever. You don't just like forget about it and go out and have a you go out for a cup of coffee after it. You know what I mean? It just—it just. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, with Dime and everything like that, you know, he's just up in God's Tavern with Randy Rhodes and Jimi Hendrix and all the guys, and they, you know, because that's where we're all going to end up anyways. All the drinks are free. <laughs> Dimes making sure he's pouring cocktails for everybody. And they just got the best jukebox up there. And then Dime's just keeping the beer cold till I get up there. Because Dime was the best, man. But it's just like, just goofy all the time. And just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful soul. Proof that God exists. So here we go. Here's the Dime, man. Cheers. Yeah!
3: yeah!
2: This crack a cold one open. Here, Timmy, hold that You man. <laughs> Didn't write the song about Dime before, but you know. We were talking on the road when he was going through the whole Pantera thing and everything like that, and that breaking up and everything like that. He was just like, uh, I go, boss, let me explain something to you. You're the best guitar player in the world. You have to do what you got to do. Eventually, when I ended up writing this song, I didn't even write it at that time, but then I looked at it and I go, it's forever his song. This is his song. Eh, that sucks. (laughs) You know?
3: So he wrote In This River, Mm -hmm. and I had to choose between two versions to play today, and I have the acoustic version that he played in the studio that day, but we also have a version from 2007 where he played live in a lunchroom, like a a, a listener actually won Zach Wilde to come in Mm -hmm. their workplace and play, and he wanted to play the song on piano. And the piano version is just so I know that even though Zach is such an amazing guitar player, but he's a great pianist as well. And yeah. that's how he wrote the song. So I wanted to play the piano version of In This River for Dime.
2: Here we go. This is Dime's tune. In This River. It was something like this, uh,
3: Every time we've had a chance to talk with you and especially now kind of getting a chance to sit down with you, uh, you seem like you're in the best place that you've ever been in your life. Is that a fair assessment that now is like the happiest time? for yeah, you it,
6: it, there's no comparison really I mean I, I've been very fortunate had a fortunate life but also a really chaotic life and g- gone through some pretty dark periods um, some of it kind of self-imposed some of it you know just l- losing close friends and and people that, that I miss and and um, I j- now it's uh, is something and I never really even knew that that this was a way that life can be like um, being happily married having a family be part of my career where it's not a juggling act where it's just this is what we all kind of do together and that actually makes it work better um, writing songs for my record was unlike any experience I'd ever had rather than going to a studio and being in kind of a dark room which is what I was used to and just kind of writing alone I, I just was in the spare bedroom at home and uh, With my kids outside, you know, I could hear them running around and I focused on what I was doing and then and then had my family there and never had that that sort of isolating feeling that I used to get. Um, and, And that, you know, that part of that is what brought on depression for me sometimes. And, you know, that's just not a component of my life anymore, which is fantastic.
3: Ironically, that was recorded on April 18th of 2007, right here in the WAF studios. That's Chris Cornell, Acoustic Fell on Black Days. It is uh, my 20th anniversary show. My name is Mistress Carrie. Thank you very much for tuning in. And now I all of a sudden have a, I have a room full of people.
1: A motor
3: and uh, my boss the program director here at WAF Ron Valeri just came in I have been saving this piece of audio because I you told me I could do whatever I wanted but that I had to do the work and make sure that it was good so I've been digging through my archives and I found what we call the air check I found the recording of my first time on the air at WAF
1: oh good so you're gonna h- humiliate yourself yes I'm not, gonna, not me I was gonna change the script no, here. <laughs> no no
3: no but I figured if you were in here I would ask you why it is that I still have a job this is not a joke we had to dub it off of a cassette I will only play a little bit of it because it is horrendous but this is the first time I was ever on the radio at WAF WAF, that was Green Day and Prosthetic Head. How you doing? My name is Carrie. And uh, we're listening to the only band that has their hair colored more times than me.
1: What? (laughs) (laughs) Carrie, you pitch up the music, not your voice. What?
3: I I sound like a chipmunk. Listen. There's a woman in charge, folks, so stay tuned. (laughs) Uh, Up next, we got Bush and uh, the most eligible bachelor in the world and Gwen Stefani got him. So, Gavin, we all love you. Yeah, and I'm still stalking him to this day. Does he he still have the restraining order against me? No, he's perfectly fine with it. So, I'll play more of that later. I can only take it in small bites and bite-sized pieces. There's a giant crowd. If I could tell you how many people are squeezing... This is like the anthrax antisocial acoustic performance that I played earlier. There's a ton of people in here.
1: Well, what happened was the mayor had too busy of a schedule today. <clears throat> and somehow I believe him. He's come here. Marty enough,
3: Walsh, the mayor uh, of Boston. Enough
1: time. So he sent his entire administration in oh his place. Oh, my God. Um, so, Carrie, you've been on uh, on the air for a little while now. Yeah. Um, dating back to, I think, uh, under the king's rule. So uh, we'll start with hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> 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 and now we'll take it from old England back to New England. Um, <clears throat> in all seriousness, uh, Mayor Walsh, uh, put together a proclamation that he asked uh, us to read, and uh, I'm going to do the honors or at least part of it and try to make through without choking up here. And it goes as follows Whereas Mistress Carrie has been a strong female voice on WAAF, the city's longest running rock radio station, and whereas having started as a WAAF intern and now the WAAF music director, Mistress Carey has spent the last 20 years rocking listeners through their workday. And that's not all. In fact, this is a very short list of your accomplishments. Whereas Mistress Carey has been a dedicated supporter of active duty military personnel and veterans organizations, and was the first non news journalist embedded with the U.S. troops in Iraq and Afghanistan, and whereas she is a two time recipient of the Army Commander's Award for Public Service and a recipient of the Order of St. Maurice. Now, therefore, I, Ron Valeri, as requested by Martin J. Walsh, Mayor of the City of Boston, do hereby proclaim April 17th, 2018, to be Mistress Carrie Day in the City of Boston. Oh my
7: God!
1: And the Honorable Mayor Martin J. Walsh goes on to urge all of his fellow Bostonians to join him in celebrating Mistress Carrie's 20 years on WAAF and her significant contributions to Boston radio. Oh my! Congratulations! God. Carrie.
3: Thank you. There you go. It's real. I mean, it came with the, the seal and a signature and everything.
1: And I'm sure you'll hear from him soon.
3: Oh my God! This is so, call so in and awesome. Are, are you Facebook-living this thing right now so you can see the proclamation? This is so cool. Well, I am honored. So thank you to the mayor and obviously everybody that had anything to do with the proclamation and, you know, trying not to get all sappy and, you know, whatever. Um, Ron, it was you when I was an intern when I applied to be on the street team in 1994. A lot of people don't know that the street team, the guys that go out, drive the vehicles, all that stuff, they had never hired a girl before. And I was the first girl on the WAF street team that was ever See hired. That.
1: See that, no hashtag me too for this guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> and,
3: and then to, you know, have started as an intern in 91 to, I thought, oh, I'm on the street team. I'm on the payroll. I'm on Easy Street now. Had no idea how hard it would actually be. And now to be here 20 years later after I started on the air, it. This place is more of a family than I think people realize, and I'm honored to be a member of it, and I can't thank everybody in this room enough for being so supportive through all the ups and downs. Thank you for approving all my crazy ideas when I come to you, and I'm like, hey, I want to go to Afghanistan. Can you sign this piece of paper that says that I can go? And you sign it every time, so... Thank you guys so much. Ron, I appreciate we're, all of your support and dedication. Speaking for
1: everybody, we're we're lucky to have you, Carrie. Congratulations.
3: Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah. Oh my god, this is unbelievable. It's Mistress Carrie Day in Boston. I how am I going to celebrate that? Well, I'm sitting here pondering whether or not a person can get a speeding ticket in the city limits of Boston when it is officially Mistress Carrie Day. And the Framingham Ford studio line rings and it's Gary Sharone and Paul Geary from Extreme on the other end. Hi, guys.
7: Hey. Oh, my God. Hello, Gary.
3: <laughs> How are you?
7: <laughs> well, we just wanted to call and with you a uh, happy anniversary. Time flies. 20 years?
3: It's been 20 years on the air, but I will tell you this. This is why I wanted you guys to be a part of the show today. So I started my internship on July 1st, 1991, when I was in college. And the reason why I remember the date is because I have a T-shirt commemorating it because it was the (laughs) WAF DJs versus extreme and celebrity softball. So you guys were a part of my first day as an intern here at WAF years ago go not that many years it's amazing you lasted the day i I know right (laughs) do you remember that day that our engineer went to go put a tent up over our broadcast equipment and he busted the water main and flooded the field do you remember that (laughs) he still works here
7: oh my god it was so nuts (laughs) well i'm still trying to get over the beating we took
3: (laughs) who knew that hillman was so good at softball (laughs) (laughs) So,
7: you guys were the ball breakers, right? Or was that us?
3: I don't remember. Well, we
7: were... <laughs> yeah, I remember Paul having a tough time with a pop fly in the uh, in the infield. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I, I caught the ball
3: with my glasses. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, Mayor Martin J. Walsh, the Honorable Mayor of Boston, has declared today Mistress Carrie Day in the city of Boston. So I don't know if you guys are both in Boston right now, but I guess I have some kind of power today. So I guess you guys can do whatever you want today, because it's my day.
7: It's a good day. I got a a few traffic (laughs) violations maybe you could handle.
3: Yeah, I'll see if I can work that out. Obviously, the mayor and I are now pretty tight. Tighter than I knew we were.
7: <laughs> That's awesome. That's amazing.
3: So I really appreciate you guys calling to be part of my big day today.
7: Yeah. Well, we're, we're also hoping you'll be out to see um, Gary play with Joe Perry tomorrow night yeah, at the you, House of Blues.
3: Yeah, it's, uh, I love it when a guy like Joe Perry says, uh, Joe Perry and Friends... Because then he just starts listing friends like Brad Whitford and Gary Sharon and Barry Goudreau and Charlie Farron. And it must be nice to have friends like that.
7: (laughs) Well, he's Joe F. and Perry. That's right. Exactly.
3: So you, Hey, Paul.
7: Paul, what's the F stand for?
3: (laughs) Listen, I want to keep this job for 20 years and one day, if you don't mind. I would like to have this job tomorrow. Even though it is my day, I would like to keep this job uh, tomorrow. Yeah, well, we were the
7: beginning and the end. Yeah. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. Well, I was trying to figure out what song to play for you guys, and I was like, well, obviously, if it's extreme, I want to play more than words, but that doesn't involve you, Paul, so I picked this one out instead because this was the reason you got out from behind the drum kit and came out into the front of the stage Ah, the other night when you performed uh, it. I wanted you to be involved.
7: That's right. Well, thank you, Carrie.
3: So I appreciate you guys coming And, and you still didn't today. answer
7: my question what? you going to come out tomorrow night. Yes,
3: I'm coming out tomorrow night. I thought I answered that part. Yeah, of course. Nice. I'm bringing my proclamation. I, thought, no, I can't even get arrested.
7: Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'll be there for sure. Absolutely.
7: Nice.
3: People we'll can get the you. details uh, on the show, by the way, on the concert page at WAF.com if they want to uh, get details on the show, get tickets, all of that stuff.
7: Well, it'll be good to see you tomorrow night, and um, um, congratulations!
3: Thank you, Thank you guys so much. It's been a long, strange, strange ride, but it is one hell of a ride, I will tell you. So,
7: well, we're all still here.
3: That's right. Well, uh,
7: we we hope you have we hope you have another twenty. Me and Paul won't be around. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> gotta thank Paul Geary and Gary Sharon from Extreme for helping to celebrate my 20th anniversary and see what happens. They make a proclamation. I gotta uh, thank the mayor of Boston, uh, Marty Walsh, because he proclaimed today officially Mistress Carrie Day in the city of Boston. And then all of a sudden, the entire Massachusetts National Guard. <laughs> Descended on the WAF studio. Hi. Hey, Carrie. What's going going on? Oh, Allow me to introduce my good friends, uh, Major General Keefe, the commander of the Massachusetts National Guard. Right. Yeah. And State Sergeant Major Widberg, who I met in Afghanistan years ago. Thank you guys for coming in. Oh, congratulations. We wouldn't miss it. They, uh, they, they gave me a heads up they were like um, <clears throat> there's some big dudes coming down the hall in uniform is everything okay down there?
8: <laughs> they were they were looking at my weight I think I, said <laughs> uh,
3: I talked to General Rice earlier he called from the Pentagon excellent so we've been scaring the, the, the guys in the other room because the hotline rings and they say yeah I want to talk to Mistress Kerry and they're like yeah where are you calling from and they go the Pentagon <laughs> they come running in my office they're like what the hell is going on?
8: oh I and know a guy. You, and now Yeah, I know a guy, and now
3: you guys show up too. Thank you for coming in and being part of my big day today. No, we
8: wouldn't have missed it. Like Absolutely. You said you uh, started a major, you know, you got to see him overseas, but for 20 years uh, uh, you've been supporting us, uh, you know, and and I know that the mayor's proclamation talks about here, you know, you went over with our troops, Afghanistan, Iraq. I remember the first time I met you was, uh, I think I just got promoted to one-star general, and you were out of Barnes, and you... You were in the back of an F 15 and got the call sign Narco. Yeah, yeah. that's. I was yeah. talking
3: to General Rice about yeah. that very thing because yeah. there was a lot of. Were you part of the money exchange as to whether or not I would vomit on that flight? I was we, not. Okay. I was not
8: because, quite frankly, full disclosure, every time I've been on a plane, I've puked. Really? So, yeah.
3: yeah. Well, just, they tried really hard.
8: Yeah. Well, it, you had Nasty, I think, was flying. No, you Wad
3: flew me. Oh, Wad did. Yeah, okay. yeah. And yeah. I ended up uh, 680 miles an hour in nine Gs in the F 15 Eagle, and I did not throw up. Now, uh, do you know where the call sign comes from?
8: Yeah, because did you pass out? I did. That happens. That happens. You pull
3: those Gs. So the pilots all get together. For anybody that isn't a decorated fighter pilot like myself, (laughs) um, they bring you into the officer's club and they get like a chalkboard or dry erase board and everybody just starts shouting out ideas for your call sign. Now, what I was not aware of is that it's usually not a very good story that your call sign comes from. And so people started shouting out all of these crazy things. And I was like, oh, I don't like that one. And they're like, oh, well, you can drink that off the board, you know. So then I was like, oh, well, I definitely want to do that. I hate that name. And they were like, okay. So they pour you a shot, and you, and then they erase it off the board, and then somebody in the back goes, I want to drink it back on the board. <laughs> so there's like 50 pilots in there, and they're like, do you want to keep going? I was like, nope, I don't hate it that much to get, to get that drunk with you guys.
8: That's when I walked in yeah. at that point. Yeah. So
3: they decided on narco because I'm narcoleptic because I fall asleep when I'm not supposed to. <laughs> that's where my call sign as came long, from.
8: As long as you're not flying the plane, that's all yeah, right. Yeah, no, you know? no.
3: And the other story uh, is that when I went through the training now this is before the miracle on the Hudson and so I had to go out there for like eight hours of simulator training like it was all very serious for me to go up in that jet and they were so worried about the bird strikes and so they made me go over emergency procedures over and over again so when I went out to Barnes that day to go up in the jet. Wad, the pilot, was like, okay, go over your emergency procedures. And I showed him, I know how to do this and that, and then I'm supposed to do this, and then I'm supposed to eject you and I. And he goes, do everything you just said except eject me. I do not want to be the fighter pilot that gets saved by the DJ. <laughs> and I said, well, it sucks to be you because I want to be the DJ that saves the fighter pilot. So I will be going through all of my emergency procedures. It
8: is, uh, And you're right, there is a lot of stuff you, you need to know before you just Get in that yeah. All kidding yeah. aside, yeah.
3: they put me through the ringer, training yeah. to make sure that I was going to be able to handle all of that, and I took it very seriously. And I have one hour of fighter jet flight, which is more than most. So I do tell people that I am, in fact, a fighter pilot because you know, what kind of man? It's
8: amazing how fast those things go. It's, yeah. Uh, like I said, I that's why I ended up being a nuclear missile officer <laughs> and you know, so. a <laughs> But, uh, yeah,
3: no big deal. Just the nukes. Yeah, no yeah, problem. Yeah. No so, problem. But thanks
8: for letting us be part of this. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, as I know, between the Sergeant Major and Sergeant Gaten and, and all our soldiers and especially our infantry folks, like uh, you're, you're part of the family. And uh, I joke around. I, I I see you more than I see some of my soldiers. Yeah, so, uh, it's true. We yeah, see each other uh, you've all been the just time. you fantastic to us for everything. And I know these guys got some great stories. on Absolutely. Yeah,
4: don't well. Uh, no, we, we couldn't have been happier to have you overseas with us and uh, for a second trip, no less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know,
3: I don't blend in Kabul, Sergeant Major. <laughs> no,
4: you, I, I did hear that. <laughs> yeah. You may want to put this over your head. Yeah, for the words that were. Yeah, yeah. I think they were. I, I recall that.
3: And I remember you and I sat down when we when we met in Kabul, and I was like, you know, if this army thing doesn't work out for you, you've got great pipes. You could get into radio. <laughs> and you were like, I think I'm going to stick with the army. And I was like, well, I'm just saying that there's always a fallback plan. Couple more years. yeah, yeah sir. We're going to
8: start calling you the, the Golden Smog. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And Sergeant Gayton, who you were just talking about, he was one of the guys that helped me put the first trip together to go to Iraq. And that trip took over a year of work. And it was something we worked really, really closely with, and nobody thought. It's like when your little kid comes up to you and is like, I'm going to flap my arms really, really hard, and I'm going to fly. And you're like, I don't want to tell you no. I would rather tell you okay, so that you just get really tired and go to sleep trying to fly. And that's what everybody kind of told us. Like, "Oh, okay, yeah, sure, you're going to go to Iraq. And we worked really hard. And none of that ever would have happened without you, Jamie. So thank well, Carrie, you so dedica- much.
8: You know, it was your dedication and you know the, the 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 tribute to the soldiers. Every soldier that was over there was so appreciative that you came over and saw them. They've come back and told stories over and over again. You know, there goes the purple hair woman throughout throughout <laughs> a camp. You know, it, it's, it's insane, but they can't appreciate enough of what you've done for them in the past and uh, and everything you do for us now. So I, I was I was honored to be a part of that. Oh, thank that you. You're still in the infantry? Uh, no, actually, I just sorry. Oh, I just, yeah, I just come out of the infantry. I was working recruiting. in recruiting. Roger. So and it, it, it's like I said, you've got the the order of Saint Maurice. I do. I saw you at the Blue Cord Ball. You did. So you're pretty much infantry,
6: uh, infantry.
3: I'm 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 as infantry as a purple-haired female civilian radio DJ can be.
8: We got to start. We'll oh, start okay, an yeah. annual Purple yeah. Hair Ball.
3: <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking. There you go. We could proclaim that today. It's yeah, my there, day. You can do
8: whatever you want.
3: That's America right. You permission. Yeah. That's right. <laughs>
4: we'll just lessen the requirements on some of the haircuts <laughs> for a little while. Prior to it and, uh, yeah
3: we go from there. Um, can I play a song? Will you guys hang out with me for a Certainly. couple of minutes? Sure. Is that okay? Yeah, can we do something real quick sure. first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
8: Well, on behalf, you know, we have something here that the adjutant general and oh my God! would like to present to you. So, uh, Kerry, this is uh, this is a print of the first muster. So, as you know, since 1636, uh, the National Guard has been around. And, and through executive order signed by President Obama, uh, Salem, Massachusetts is the birthplace of the National Guard throughout the United States. So in 1636, December 13th, the guard was founded, and the following April of April of 1637 was the the, the first muster. Um, so we've got that history, and then we roll into uh, the shot heard around the world. Uh, Patriots Day just happened the other day, and as you know, uh, um, our nation, the birth of our nation, was once again uh, it was militia men and women uh, actually coming to answer the call and put this nation on its great path to uh, become the beacon of hope and freedom that it is for, for the world. So this is uh, one of our National Guard uh, heritage prints. It's uh, um, Stand Your Ground. It's the uh, the shot heard uh, around the world against the British. And it says, Mistress Carey, thank you for your overwhelming dedication and support to the soldiers, airmen, and families of the Massachusetts National Guard, 17 April 2018. So we want to give you that. And I also want to uh, make sure I give you one of my Adjutant General coins. And you know the rules on this. So, I know the rules. Yeah. I know the rules. So if we happen to be a, a in a in an establishment that serves alcoholic beverages or adult beverages, I owe you one. You <laughs> give me that coin. Oh, thank you so much. Right, thanks, I am Gary. honored. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you guys. I know, Sergeant Major's got something he wants to give you.
4: So with that said, and not to be one up, I'm going to uh, present you with my coin as
3: well. Oh, thank you. Oh. You guys are the best. Hey, well,
8: once again, thanks for letting us be part of this, and we hope you get another 120 years out of this. 120 uh, there years?
3: There you, you never know, <laughs> you know? All yeah. right, I'm going to play this song for you guys, and we'll be back on my 20th anniversary.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?